We have long felt that the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. Warren Buffett. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm your host, Dan Caprill, where each and every week we seek to take that which seems complicated as it comes to the world of personal finance and show you just how simple it really is. We, we treat every one of these issues like a puzzle and we show you how to solve them. And at the end of every show, we also give you a puzzle solver assignment so you can apply this to your own life. Uh, I want to always remind our listeners that if you're not getting a copy of Your Money Jigsaw, which is our weekly e-newsletter, which scours the world of personal finance and gives you some of the top stories right at your fingertips, please order a copy. It's very simple to get. Just go to yourmoneyjigsaw.com. That's it. Put in your information, your name, and your email address, and boom, you'll get it every single week. So I'm getting ready to take my annual trip, pilgrimage, if you will, to Montana. Now, if you've never been to Montana, I would strongly encourage you to put it on your list. This is assuming, of course, you like nature. If you're not into nature, then please, you know, <laughs> you don't want to go there. It's definitely more known for the outside rather than inside. In fact, I'm bringing my wife this time. It's the second time she's gone. But the first time was at a very nice resort where there were a lot of things to do. They would do them for you. It was all inclusive. This time we're on our own with a few friends. And her first question was, well, what are we going to do when we're there? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What are we going to do? It's Montana. Now, I, for one, am a fly fisher. So Montana is really one of the better places for that type of thing. Many reasons why I love fly fishing, uh, especially for trout. The biggest reason is because they live in beautiful places. Trout can only live in pristine conditions and Montana has plenty of those. So you talk about simplifying your life, we're gonna do that. Now we're not giving up much by way of luxury. The, the cabin we're staying in is, is quite comfortable, has really all the amenities that you would want. But there's just a level of simplification to it all. The wide open spaces, it's very hard to describe. I imagine Alaska is similar probably at an even bigger scale. I just haven't been there yet. But if uh, you've never been out to the northwest part of the United States, I'm a native East Coast person. So I've really had to force myself to get out there because business just didn't take me out in that area. Uh, it's been one of the best decisions that I've made. So this will be the third year which I've gone out there and I, I see myself doing it quite often. So uh, if you're into nature, if you want to see what it's like, you know, to see bear or moose or Bighorn sheep just grazing on their own. Maybe they're not so much the bear, but you definitely want to get out there. It's really quite a special place. So this week's puzzle is all about the world of index funds. What are they? Should you invest in them? Why does Warren Buffett like them so much? Well, we're going to get into that. All right. So first of all, let's, let's make sure we're all on the same page as it relates to an index fund. When you're investing in a mutual fund, not just an index fund, but a mutual fund, you are investing in a basket, if you will, full of investments. So you're not just buying one stock. You could be buying 500 stocks. You could be buying 1,000 stocks, 10,000 stocks. It really doesn't matter. 
You can be as many as the as the portfolio manager builds and puts into them. And when it comes to index funds, you probably have heard of the Vanguard Index 500. What the Index 500 fund does is it invests in the 500 largest companies in the United States. Very simple. And it buys and holds them. That's it. As more money comes into the fund, it goes out and buys more shares of those same stocks. Now, they're weighted based on the size of the company. But once they buy them, they hold them. There's no trading that goes on. There's no, you know, I think we ought to dump Procter & Gamble because I think that they're going to go down next quarter. No. You're basically buying the market. In this instance, the large U.S. stock market. Now, that is a rarity compared to most mutual funds that buy large U.S. companies. Most mutual funds that buy large U.S. companies will not buy all 500 of them. Their attitude is, well, why buy all 500 when obviously some are going to do better than others? They want to, in essence, beat the market. And the way that they look to beat the market is by only buying those companies that they feel certain are going to outperform the average. But here's the reality. Nobody knows who those companies are. You may think you know, but the evidence is overwhelming that those attempts to do just that fail. That the people who try to pick stocks actually perform worse than the index. So an index is just basically a representation of a sector of the market. You could have a large stock index. You could have a small stock index. In each one of these indices, you're going to have many, many, many companies. They're going to buy and hold those companies. Again, they're not going to spend really any time worrying that you know one company might be going in a certain direction. Because you own so many of them, you don't get hurt by one company failing. And the other neat thing about them is because there isn't a lot of trading going on, the operating cost of the fund is minuscule compared to other funds that have to pay a professional quote-unquote trader to figure out you know, what stocks to buy and what stocks to sell. And this person really has no idea what those stocks are going to do. He thinks he knows, but the, here's the reality. The information that he has, well, it's no different than the information everybody else has. It's already factored into the price, that information is. It's only what we don't know, the new and unknowable that's going to move the stock price. So you can speculate what that is going to be, but you don't know. And this is why most actively managed funds, which is the opposite of an index fund. An actively managed fund is one where there's a lot of buying and selling going on because they think they know what stocks are going to do. Most of them, on any given year, about 80%, underperform the fund that just buys and holds a basket of stocks. So if you're going to ask me if I'm going to be an equity investor, a stock investor, where do I have the best chance for success? I'm always going to tell you, like Warren, buy the index fund. So if I'm going to be buying 500 companies, I don't have to worry about what direction one's going versus the other. As a whole, historically, they do well. Now, are they going to have moments of decline? Absolutely, they are. This will not be a linear exercise. But to, you know, agonize on over how much AT&T I should have versus Time Warner versus Procter & Gamble versus 3M. No, there's no reason to agonize. Own them all. Own them all because over time, they all tend to make money. And if they don't, chances are the ones that do will offset the losses of the ones that don't. So this is a very simple way to invest. It's a very low-cost way to invest. It's also a very successful way to invest. Now, you have to keep in mind, though, 
that there is more than one index. The mistake I hear people make when it comes to index funds is they say, well, look, you know, if I put all my money in that and the market goes down, all my money goes down. Well, if you're only going to put your money in just one index, that probably will happen. There are several indices, many. I, as a rule, would recommend a large stock index, like an S&P 500 fund. I would recommend a small stock index, one that buys the smallest of all companies. I would also recommend a value index fund. Value companies are priced differently than growth companies. I'll do another episode in the future on the differences between value and growth, but a large value fund and a small value index fund, also very important elements to add in. I would also have an international fund. And when it comes to international, I would make that same distinction between large and small, value versus non-value. So if I have an international large fund, international small fund, international large value, international small value, in addition to my US, I now have at least eight funds. Each fund should be buying a different sector of the market. Now, how much you should weigh them is gonna depend on a number of factors. How long you're investing for, risk tolerance levels, those types of things. But understand that two-thirds of the world's investments exist outside of the United States. So if you think you can do it all with just investing in the U.S., well, you can have success. But I would argue you're going to have a better chance for long-term success if you own more than just the 500 companies that make up the largest U.S. stocks. Thankfully, the growth of capitalism has allowed for investing and the quality of life to improve in other places. So we want to take advantage of that as well. So the index fund is all about not trying to predict the future. It's all about just giving you market rates of return rather than trying to beat market rates of return because as research project after research project after Nobel Prize after Nobel Prize has shown, any efforts to try to beat the market average skillfully, they're futile. They don't work. Simply put, unless you have information that nobody else has, you can't skillfully beat the market. Now, you could do it with luck, People do win at casinos, but as we all know, most people do not. And that's the difference. That's the difference at play. So whenever I, I, I meet a passionate active manager, I will ask them some simple questions to kind of show them why they shouldn't be active managers. And the first question I'll ask them is, do they believe that the news of the day is unpredictable? Do they believe that next week's news is unpredictable? And they say, yeah, of course. All right. Do you believe that investment markets react to the news? And without even blinking, they say, yeah. But now they see where I'm going with this. So if you're telling me that next week's news is unpredictable and markets will react to next week's news, aren't markets therefore unpredictable? And if they're unpredictable, why are we trying to predict them? <laughs> why would we do that? It makes no sense, and yet people do it all the time. Now, they'll come up with some rationale one way or the other, but it usually gets back to that simple a comparison of facts. If news is unpredictable and markets react to news, therefore, so are markets. So don't engage in stock picking. Don't buy products that stock pick. Don't engage in market timing. Don't buy products that engage in market timing. Buy investments that buy and hold a large sector of the market and just simply rebalance as you go. So in the example I gave you previously, if I have a percentage in large company stocks and I have a percentage in small company stocks, whatever that percentage is that I've, I've deemed to be proper, as the markets move, that percentage is going to change. I need to rebalance back to the targeted amount. Once a year is fine. Once a year, bring it back. 
Now, if you're asking how do I determine the percentages, it gets a little bit more complicated than that. And I will have a show on that. It has to do with standard deviation. Something that your high school math teacher told you you would need someday and you doubted her or him, well, they were right. That's a very important part. So take Warren's advice. Look at your mutual funds now. If they are actively managed, which means they don't have the word index next to them, you can probably do better. Now be careful. If you switch out from an, another fund to an index fund, it might be a taxable event. So be careful. Now, for a lot of investors, the money that they have that's invested anywhere is always through the 401k, or it's largely in the 401k, I should say. Your 401k may not give you index fund options. Ask for them. Demand them. There's really no reason why they shouldn't. But don't let your employer get away with just giving you one. Let them know, look, I need a large index funding, a small index funding, an international large and an international small. Those are the things that you need in order to have a truly more diversified portfolio that's not trying to stock pick or market time. Very, very important. Now, if you ever have any questions on the issue of index funds, please feel free to reach out to me. A number of ways you can reach out, uh, you can call me 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. You can email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com. I also want to bring your attention to a great book on this concept. It's called The Investment Answer, and it's by Gordon Murray and Dan Goldie. Great, great book. It's only about 100 pages. That's the beauty of index investing. It doesn't require a huge volume to understand the process. So as I often like to tell people, don't take my word for it. There's information out there that can help you. So in today's Puzzle Solver segment, what I'm going to give you is a download which you can access to determine if you have an index fund and what kind of index fund it is. So this is going to give you a lot of the details behind index fund investing that I didn't go over on the show, largely because I wanted to give you the big picture. So the way you get it is simply go to dancapril.com and you want to go to today's topic, which is index funds. In fact, the topic of today's show, the the title is called The Index. It's uh, episode number 134. So you click on there and then just scroll down to the download section. And there you'll be able to download a great deal of information about index funds. If you own index funds, understand what kind you have, large, small, international, etc. Don't assume they're all the same. They are not. So again, today's puzzle solver assignment. Go to dancapril.com. Click on today's show. Download the report that I've given you there on index funds. See how that applies to you. Well, that wraps up another week of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I want to thank you all for uh, participating. Uh, Again, if you should ever have questions or want to reach out, please feel free. Love hearing from our listeners. Area code 513-563-PLAN is the number. Or you can get me anytime by going to dan at matsonandcapril.com. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. 
Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.